shaking everybody you're listening to another bonus episode of improv tabletop the show that's usually an rpg actual play where we make up anywhere from everything to almost everything on the spot <laughs> i'm ned wilcock your host and book reader for the evening and today i'm joined by mckenna Steele, christian wow <laughs> wow christian randall Man, she hates your last name so much that she can't bring herself to <laughs> say it on the podcast. Say it. Just not as cool. I mean, I do have to agree with McKenna on this one. It's okay. Your mom, your parents don't really listen to our podcast, so everything's fine. <laughs> they won't. Maybe one day they will. Oh man! But you know, names don't matter when you're a ghost, right? Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. It's all about the impact you left on the ones you haunted. If you unless yes. there are no ghosts. Yeah, that is I, I since we finished recording the last episode, I've gotten a little I I was very very pro we are definitely going to see a ghost at the end of last episode. I'm feeling a little bit less so at the moment, I will admit. <laughs> Nothing but negativity about no, we're not negative. Less optimistic. In the last episode, we ran into one ghost that turned out to actually be a young boy with like anemia or something. <laughs> And we ran into a second ghost that turned out to be a loudspeaker hidden behind a poorly placed painting. This just feels like Scooby-Doo. Yeah. And I want to be shaggy. <laughs> Works for me. Okay, sick. Soinks. Let's start back from kind of our very, very first decision point. Let's go back to like way, way back to Dr. Zubat. Okay. We had two choices there. The first one was talking to Dr. Zubat first. Professor Zubat, sorry. I want to make sure I'm getting his- <laughs> He doesn't have his correct. doctors yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So our very first decision point was, do we talk to Professor Zubat or we start, do we start ghost hunting without delay? Talking to Professor Zubat led us to two haunted houses that weren't actually haunted. I think maybe our problem was, we got to go fast. <gasps> You're so right. We forgot the core tenant of these books. <laughs> <laughs> let's go. So let's try ghost hunting without delay. Turn to page 11. So... Oh, wait, 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 wait. Actually, maybe I was wrong because this just takes us to the place where now we get to choose whether we go hunting with Jenna, Jenny, rather, or going to hunt Harlow Thrombey's ghost. So turns out it was only beneficial to go and talk to Professor Zuba yeah. because he gave us information. Okay. Good. <laughs> well, so much for the gotta go fast strategy. Never doubted us. Okay. Well, now we're back at the point where, okay, we've got two different houses that we could go check out. We've got either Harlow Thromby's mansion that's currently owned by Grimstone or Grey Mansion, which is definitively very spooky. So which one of these do we think is going to be more likely to actually have a ghost in it? I mean, neither of them. we know one of them had an actual death. murder yeah. and a death. So I say we just go back to the speaker house. Yeah. A drug dealer house. Okay. Bomb maker. Arms. Bomb maker, Bomb drug maker. dealer, arms dealer, murderer of private detectives, employer of <laughs> thick-necked gentlemen, and owner of mastiffs. And greasy boy. Greasy boy, the most important one. <laughs> All right. So, blah, blah, blah. We talk with Sylvia. Oh, we have our next decision point. Do we tell Sylvia we don't think we can help her? Or do we tell her that we'll think about it? We told her that we were going to think about it last time. What happens if we tell her no? Let's try telling her no. I feel like that won't change anything, but let's see. Yeah, let's see. I'm sorry, I just don't think I can help you, say. Well, thanks for your time. I guess there isn't anything to be done. 
After Sylvia leaves, you go for a walk to try to think things over. By the time you get home, you've decided that you really should try to help <laughs> Sylvia. Oh my God. <laughs> the illusion of choice. Yes. Oh, goodness. By the time you get home, you've decided that you really should try to help Sylvia. It's not right that she should be deprived of her rightful inheritance. The next morning you call her, but there's no answer. <gasps> Every day you try again, but it's a week before you're able to reach her. Oh, it's you, she says. I should have let you know I was visiting my mother. I got back yesterday and found out that Grimstone has left town. The place is all locked up. What? Interesting. Is, what? This, is this the best option? It might be. <laughs> okay. Why do you think he cleared out? The police have been watching the place. He may have figured that they had gotten enough evidence against him to close in on him. Maybe so, you reply. It also may mean that he found the diamonds. A thought suddenly occurs to you. Could you get a court order to have the place searched? Okay, we're trying to give up our job as a private detective to a court order? Why don't we just... I'm sorry, have you not seen literally any, any. Uh, any show? Psych. Bones, Sherlock, you always just break in and let the... We're not cops. No! We don't have to wait for a warrant. We break in. We get that mm -hmm. evidence any means necessary. Liggity split. Gotta go fast. We are a straight-up idiot in this book. I mean, at least in Cave of Time, we found satisfying endings. Like, sure, we were boring, but we weren't straight-up idiots <laughs> in Cave of Time. <laughs> I'm just... I'm worried we may have to use my ending. <laughs> yeah, Christian has written an ending in the event that we don't run into a ghost. We'll see if it ends up coming up. But so we ask Sylvia whether she could just get a court order and make us completely pointless. But she replies, I've already tried. The judge denied my request. He says there wasn't enough evidence to justify his issue. Okay. So she just barely said, I think Grimstone realized that the police have enough evidence. And now she's like, but the judge doesn't have enough evidence to justify issuing a search warrant. Listen, I think she's the drug dealer and she's been hopping mm. up on too much. Maybe she is the ghost. And maybe. And she, she's like, yeah, I totally called him. A drug dealer. Yes, definitely. <laughs> but in any case, we're going to show some initiative for the first time in this book. Well, maybe I can think of something. Yeah! Go us! Sitting at your desk with your feet propped up you, in your best thinking position, you wonder what to do next. Somehow you've got to get inside the house. That afternoon, you walk halfway across town to the section where most of the rich people live and stand across the street from the great white house where Harlow Thrombey was murdered. The grounds are surrounded by a wrought iron fence that's too high to climb except at the front gate. You glance at a man sitting in an old car parked across from the house. You've been in the detective business long enough to know a plainclothes policeman when you see one. Maybe you should get Jenny to help. <laughs> oh gosh. Maybe this is a smooch ending. Smooching? Yep. Maybe we'll see a ghost and get a smooch. You know what? My spirits are up. <laughs> that's the ending. Yes. So, Jenny could distract the policeman while we try to find a way to climb over the fence. On the other hand, you don't like the idea of sneaking into a place that's guarded by the police. Maybe you should join Jenny in investigating the Gray Mansion. Twin. Can we call Jenny and ask her to come here or go to ask help Jenny with the Gray Mansion? Come over here, Jenny. Use those womanly wiles. <laughs> hey, babe. The sexiest adventurer in the world. Yes, I got a better mansion for us to break into. <laughs> one that could get us arrested if things go badly. Or a lot of diamonds. That's true. High risk, high reward. <sighs> 
don't want to share. Not with Jenny. No. Well, here's the thing. If we want to convince her to come to our cool mansion instead of her boring mansion, I mean, diamonds are a girl's best friend, am I right? Mm. They really are. <laughs> that and money. <laughs> yeah. And maybe a Hershey's Symphony Bar. Oh, so good. <laughs> All right, so Jenny is eager to help. Knew it. I've been thinking about the old Thromby house since we first talked about it, she says. It's beginning to get dark that evening as you and Jenny walk along the road that runs past Grimstone's property. In your hand is... A flashlight. A rope with a noose at the end. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> We're going to make a ghost for this book. Yeah, we are. In your hand is a rope with a noose at the end, and you have a flashlight in your pocket. <laughs> you stop at a point opposite the side of the house. Okay, this looks like a good place. Okay, Jenny says, give me a couple minutes to get around the corner and start talking to that policeman. That way you can be sure he won't surprise you while you're climbing over the fence. You wait a short while, then, tossing your rope, you lasso a spike at the top of the fence... Okay, that's why we... It's not a noose, it's a lasso. Come on, Edward I Packer. mean, that's a very s specific terminology error. It, it's a lasso. Yeah. If you're going to use it as a lasso, it's a lasso. It's, it's, only, a lasso. it's only a noose if you use specifically a noose knot, and you're mm -hmm. going to use it for a noose. <laughs> 13 a noose. wraps. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so we lasso... We, we noose a spike at the top <laughs> of the fence. Down with the spike. And taking... And taking up on the rope as you climb, you literally walk up the iron fence. You teeter at the top a moment, free from the noose. Now it's a noose again. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you teeter at the top a moment, free the noose, and jump down inside the fence. Skirting an empty dog pen, thank goodness. Oh. You circle around the back of the house, looking for an unlocked door or window. You don't find any on the first floor, so you climb a cedar tree that's growing close to the rear corner of the house. From the upper branches, you're able to reach an unlocked window. It sticks at first, but with an extra shove, you get it open. A moment later, you're inside an upstairs bathroom. By now, it's quite dark in the house. You don't want to attract attention by turning on lights, so you move cautiously along the hallway, shining your flashlight on the door ahead of you. You look for the stairway to the attic. In a minute, you find it. You're feeling a little scared as you start up the steps. Then, you hear laughter coming from the landing above. You stop short. It's a man laughing. And he's laughing at you. That's rude. You shine your flashlight up the steps. There's nothing there, and yet there is. The patch of yellow-white light made by your flashlight is forming into a ghost image of a human figure. <gasps> Harlow Thromby. No! We get to see a real ghost? Did we? I, I hope we actually have a real ghost on our hands. What? I hope that, I mean, I'm sure the book is going to come up with some convoluted, ah, yes, Grimstone had technology. He made a projector out of mist and lasers. <laughs> but. Or he's not dead. If this is actually a ghost, I'm going to be so happy. Okay. Who are you? Why are you laughing? You try to keep your voice from trembling. You know who I am. I expected you to save my life and you didn't. And now I suppose you'd like me to save your life. My life doesn't need saving, you say. But the only reply you hear is more laughter. Then the image of Harlow Thromby disappears and there's nothing before your eyes but your flashlight beam shining on the wall. Was Harlow Thromby's ghost warning you of some terrible danger? Or was he just reminding you that despite your good intentions, he was murdered? Okay, way to hold a grudge, Harlow. Yeah, yeah. we totally... I mean, I didn't 
read the first book, but I'm assuming we we got the good ending eventually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we totally found the murderer. It was Sylvia. I'm I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah, someone. She, she, she totally it was because she wanted no. Yeah, she wanted she wanted the money. Yeah, she wanted. You know, I got to get Harlow out of the way first. Then I got to get uh, whatever his wife's name was. <laughs> I have completely forgotten. Mrs. Aunt Jamie. <laughs> yes, definitely for sure. But at this point, do we continue up to the attic or do we decide it's time to get out of this house? Go to the attic? Yeah. Maybe this is a ghost. I mean, so Kenny's not here anymore. He's not going to strangle us with a back over our head. No, Hopefully. he's got an amazing saxophone career now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it turns out his last name was Gene the entire time. <laughs> All right. Keeping a wary eye on the landing above, you continue up the stairs. There is no further sign of a ghost, but as you reach the top step, your flashlight flickers out. Ooh. You bang it on the floor and it flickers on. With your flashlight flickering on and off, you feel your way along the wall. You reach a door, open it, and shine your light around a large walk-in closet. From the distinctive smell of cedar, you can tell you've reached the right place. Fantastic smell. Suddenly there is a sound behind you. <gasps> no. If, if, if Kenny G showed up. <laughs> goodness gracious. Okay. Whirling around, you feel a sack drawn down up over your head. What? You scream and try to bite the strong hands that are by. Okay, you, the, the strong hands that are binding ropes tightly around your arms. You struggle to wrench free, but you're tackled and dropped to the floor. You feel ropes being pulled tight against your legs. Your attacker rolls you along the attic floor, and you come to rest up against the wall with a thunk. Oh gosh. Kenny. For a moment, you're afraid you'll suffocate, but then you realize the sack is made of burlap. Enough air gets through for you to breathe. Ah. What's going on? You hear a man exclaim. The sound of his footsteps is becoming louder. Suddenly he screams. You hear him moving away. No, no, don't come near me. Why is he yelling? Turn to page 32. <gasps> what is it, are, are we ghost buddies now? Is Harlow Thromby deciding that he's going to save our miserable life even though we let him get murdered <laughs> like a complete idiot? That's forgiveness, kids. <laughs> that it is. Forgive and forget. Thank you, Harlow Thromby. We don't we don't even know that it's him, but I'm already I've Convinced. turned around on Harlow Thromby. <laughs> you hear another scream, then a series of noises that sound like someone falling down the stairs, then silence. Good riddance. You wriggle to get free, but you can hardly move. Whoever tied you up knew what he was doing. You're giving up? You recognize the voice of Harlow Thromby's ghost. Why did you do this to me? Let me go, you cry. I didn't do this, the voice says. A living person did it. A petty criminal who works for Howard Grimstone and thought he would do get a little something for himself. Uh -huh. What happened to him? Did you push him down the stairs? No, the ghost replies patiently. He was so frightened he fell down the <laughs> stairs. He's unconscious now, but he's not badly hurt. Well, I'm glad he's out cold. Now could you please let me loose? Again, the ghost laughs. Friggin' Har I've turned around on Harlow Thromby <laughs> yeah, again. again. It's a roller coaster. <laughs> The ghost laughs, that same laugh that frightened you on the stairs. You don't understand. Ghosts do not hurt people, nor do they help them, though. As you can see, people are often hurt or helped in the presence of ghosts. You start to ask another question, but there is no reply. By making a tremendous effort, you're able to get to your feet, then hobble around, twisting and turning. You can feel the ropes beginning to work loose. You keep struggling. You have to rest every once in a while. Breathing is difficult through the burlap bag. At last, you work one hand free, then the other. In a few moments, you're able to pull the bag up over your head. You work the ropes loose from around your legs. You're sore, bruised, and exhausted, but you're free. Stumbling around in the dark, you kick something. The flashlight! You pick it up. It still doesn't work right, but at least it flickers on when you shake it. Then you hear a voice groaning at the bottom of the stairs. The man who attacked you must be regaining consciousness. 
Do we go into the cedar closet and try to find the diamonds, or do we try to get out of the house right away? Diamonds! <laughs> Look, at this point, I think we have successfully seen a ghost. Yes. I am confident. I mean, we know for sure that Harlow Thromby died because obviously we read the previous book where Harlow right. Thromby exactly. was murdered in a terrible passion mm-hmm. by his niece, Sylvia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so let's go to the cedar closet. You've come this far, and you don't intend to leave without those diamonds. Jiggling your flashlight to get enough light to see by, you open the cedar closet and go back to the right rear corner. You stand the flashlight on end while you pry away at the wall paneling with your pocket knife. In a minute, a panel comes loose. You pry it off and reach for the flashlight to shine it in the hole in the wall. There, you see a small box covered in red leather. You found the diamonds. As you reach for the box, you sense a presence behind you. You half turn around to look. This time, it's not a sack coming down of your head, but the steel barrel of an automatic rifle, the last thing you ever see, the end. (laughs) Is there no way to get the diamonds? We just got straight up murdered by an (laughs) AK-47. More ghosts! Yeah. Oh, man. At least we get to be ghost buddies with Harlow Thromby for the rest of our lives. You know what? Or our and own that's lives, how I Kenny G starts I think, his saxophone career. I think it's a good ending yeah. still. Sure, we're dead. There's a cop outside. He just heard a gunshot inside of a house that should be empty. That's true. I mean... But wait, the cop is being distracted by Jenny right now. I'm sorry. Jenny may be fine looking, but she's no gunshot. Mm. Mm, I Not in my imagination. She's one bombshell if you ask Ayo, me. Ayo, ayo. <laughs> you. Oh man. So we'll, what should we label this one as, do you think? Uh shot through the heart. And you're to blame. There we go. <laughs> now that I've seen a ghost, I just want the diamonds. The diamonds. Yeah, this is our new white whale. <laughs> yeah. Because we've we found the ghost, which I didn't think we were coming to. I really to, didn't either. either. Honest. <laughs> we found the ghost. Now we need to get the diamonds. So let's go back a little bit. Along the way, we had two options to leave the house, and both of those seem like not great. I'm, I'm going to see if there was another turnaround point that we could have gone with. No, it's only if we want to stay in this house at least. Well, here's, here's another possibility because we know that the timeline changed when we decided to not help Sylvia, but then felt really guilty and decided to help Sylvia anyway. So the timeline changed from Grimstone being in the mansion to Harlow Thromby's ghost being in the mansion. There's a possibility that maybe Lewis isn't in the gray mansion in this timeline. There you go. Oh, because oh, we, we, he could... Not to we, get, well, we waited a week. Not to get too dark, but he could already be dead and he could be a ghost in there. Oh my gosh. Should we do that? That's so dark. You okay? okay. All right. I, I'm done with trying to get these diamonds. I want to see if we killed Lewis <laughs> by inaction. <laughs> oh no. So let's offer to help Jenny. Okay. There is also the possibility that this is the same timeline as before. I'm going to go ahead. It is the same timeline. Oh, because we quote unquote waited a week, which it would have been waiting till Saturday anyway. That's Uh, so he, you know what? That's you got us there. Edward Packer. There's really no way. Well, let's, let's see what happens if we go up on the roof. Oh, you want to jump all the way back to the other house to where we could have gone on the roof. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, we're at the other house, we're with Jenny, 
And here I am on the page. Do we say that we'll go up to the roof or do we decide to stay by the chimney? To the roof, to the roof. Okay, I think we're gonna die, but I'm okay with that. That's okay, we've died like five times. Yeah. We come we're, back. We're gonna show off our big muscles to our hot girlfriend, Jenny, <laughs> who we leave by the fireplace as we climb the broad central staircase. In the second floor hall, you find a door leading to an upstairs porch. You're able to pivot around Pivot! You're able to pivot around the corner post of the porch railing out onto the roof. Though you have a good tread on your sneakers and the roof is not steeply pitched, the slate shingles are wet and slippery, and you have to work your way up with great care. I will say, even though Edward Packard doesn't really honor the agency of the reader, he does have some evocative wordplay. I'll give him that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, you're beginning to feel more afraid of falling than of coming face to face with a ghost. Around halfway up the chimney, you pass the attic window. Looking into it, you see a face. A pale gray face with a twisted shadow of a mouth and great hollow eyes. Instinctively, you rear back, only a few inches, but enough to lose your balance. You desperately try to drop to your hands and knees to try to gain traction on the roof, but it's too late. You're falling, tumbling, head over heels over the edge. Your neck twists as your head hits the hard ground. I told you. I told you we was dead the second we went on that roof. <laughs> yeah, turn to page 30... You're dead. Really? That's what dead, page 30 says? Dead as far says? as any human would say. Yeah. <laughs> You're dead. Dead as far as any human would say, but you aren't dead from your standpoint. But you aren't dead from your standpoint because you can feel yourself floating, drifting into a house, passing like television waves through the walls and doors and floors, your image invisible, floating and not always silent, but like a sometimes moaning, sometimes howling wind that whips through the trees, rattles windows, and sends shafts of air past flickering candles. Your presence hovers through time, then it moves and is felt. Live people, solid people, they walk, run, and stumble. One gasps, another screams, terror in their eyes, their chests tight, panting, gripped by fear. The ghost that haunts them is you. Yes! <laughs> okay, that might be we the best ending. We were the ending. ghost the whole time. Yeah, uh, so we call this one Sixth, Sixth Sense. Sense. <laughs> Sixth Sense, there we go. We've got another Shyamalan situation on our hands. I see live people. Cool. That one that one actually was really great. Yeah. That was However, good. we have a lot of time left in this recording. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, I do I am curious if when we hear him waking up, if we go leave? to leave, will we be confronted, be able to maybe push him further down the stairs, straight up murder? I don't Stomp know. Stomp on his head. Keep him unconscious and yeah. then get the diamonds? Because I still kinda want those diamonds. Yeah. So we're going to go back to the point where Kenny G is unconscious at the bottom of the <laughs> stairs. I feel like we need a little like saxophone riff every time we say Kenny's name. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So here we are. If we go into the cedar closet and try to find the diamonds, turn to page 10. If we try to get out of the house right away, turn to page 33. Okay. Keeping as quiet as you can, you hurry down the stairs. You hear more groaning. Your flickering flashlight shines on a brute of a man lying on the floor at the bottom of the attic stairs. He opens one eye. He's coming too. Beyond him on the floor is an automatic rifle. <gasps> you jump over the man, grab the rifle, and run down the stairs. There we go. In a moment, you're at the front door. The man yells from upstairs, I'll get you! You fumble with the latches. You hear him charging after you. At last, you get the door open. You slam it shut behind you and run towards the gate, yelling, Help! Police! <laughs> okay, we're running towards the police with an AK-47 in our hands. This is How do we the, feel like this, this is, is the, what, When was this written? The 50s? This was 86. 86. I'm assuming... Yeah, same difference. I'm assuming our author is a white man. I'm going to look up Edward Packard real quick. <laughs> oh, yeah. That is a very white 
gonna say it's very whitening. Mm-hmm. Oh man, why does Edward Packard, the author, look exactly like I thought he would look? <laughs> <laughs> like exactly. He's still oh, alive. Man. What? He's 91 years old. I really hope that Edward Packard isn't listening to this episode. Look, we're still appreciating your work in in our own way. It's his, when does this episode when does the uh, when did uh, the first episode come out? First episode came out in February, so this is our March episode. Surprise, we're recording these back to back. When in February? Uh oh gosh, you're making me use my brain. Use uh, the brain. February 18th <gasps> is when this one is supposed to, no, February, yeah, February 18th is when this is supposed to be. If you release out. it 2 days earlier, it'll be on his birthday. Edward Packer's birthday is February 16th. <laughs> okay, uh Caleb we're going to talk about this. <laughs> this, this joke. We're going to release this on February 16th. Hopefully we can get uh, Caleb to edit it quickly. This joke is not going to make any sense at all until March 18th for our listeners. In fact, this episode isn't going to make sense for Caleb until he starts editing this episode. So I'm just going to have to go to and be like, hey, Caleb, can you get it to us two days earlier than we originally planned? It will all make a lot of sense and be very, very worth it next month. Next month. month. <laughs> oh, my oh, my gosh. And gosh. you could do a... Do, 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 do. Hey, everybody. Yeah. Happy birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday, Edward Packard. Listener, I hope that you're enjoying this because I'm enjoying this very much. <laughs> He was born in 1931. Man. He has a website. <laughs> I wonder if he's still putting stuff out. Is that what this episode is turning into? I mean, we found the ghost and now we're just looking up everything about Edward Packard. Oh, man. What? Well, he's, correct me if I'm wrong, Ned, but he's like the father of Choose Your Own Adventures, right? He was a lawyer. Pretty much, yeah. He was a lawyer? Okay, look, Eddie. Uh, your logic in your books, if it's anything like the way you practice law, oof, boy. Oh, he does wow. look very Look, sweet. I don't mean to... He does look... He's from New York. He does look very Man, sweet. Before we continue dunking on Edward Packard any further, this this poor man this who's 92-year-old man. Yeah, yeah. This website is his blog. Oh, my gosh. Okay, maybe I shouldn't okay. be so mean to a 92-year-old. In January right. 2023, I completed writing a revised version of a novel titled Con- Continu- Continuance, A Tale of Two Planets, and made it available for downloading from this website. Dear listener, if you wish to learn more about <laughs> Edward Packard, the author of the books we've been reading, you can go to edwardpackard.com. What we're going to do right now is we're going to figure out how to get those friggin' diamonds. Yeah. I'm on the diamonds. <laughs> I'm going okay. to deep dive on this website here soon. <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah. All right. So we're running towards the police with an AK-47 in our hands. The unmarked police car swings around, training its headlights on you. A man jumps out, revolver in hand. Drop that rifle! There's a dangerous man in there, you shout as you toss the rifle aside. Wait on the other side of the car. Keep down. The cop ducks behind a tree and draws a bead on the front door. On the other side of the car, you find Jenny Mudge. Glad you made it, she says. I was worried about you. You were in there so long. I finally told the policeman... More cops are on the way. They were going to search the house. In a moment, you hear sirens. Two police cars arrive on the scene. Spotlighted by a half dozen beams trained on the front door, your assailant comes out of the house, hands in the air. Later, you confront him at the police headquarters. The police identify the prisoner as Herman Nagar? This isn't Kenny G. What? Okay. Maybe Kenny was just his code name. 
Maybe that's an true alias because we we know that Grimstone, the drug arms bomb dealer, Greasy. is an unethical person. Yeah, yeah. Who? So he probably lied to us about what Kenny's name was. This guy, Herman Nagar, is for all intents and purposes Kenny G. Kenny G. Let's say it's the same guy. I like it. Mm-hmm. Yes. So the police identify their prisoner as Kenny G, a professional criminal wanted for bank robbery. <laughs> Handcuffed and wearing a white bandage around his head, G sits at a small steel table flanked by two officers. Chief Ludhorn, half sitting on the edge of the desk, removes an unlighted cigar from his mouth and eyes the prisoner. This has turned into a police procedural. Holy cow. Okay. You'll know as well as I do, G, of your right to a lawyer and your right to be silent. G grunts. Get on with it. Ludhorn scowls. First of all, what were you doing in the house? You'll know as well as I do, Chief. I worked for Grimstone. The heat was really on him, and we all cleared out of the house. There had been talk of diamonds hidden there, and I came back to try and find them. Simple as that. Simple as that, plus attempted murder, the Chief says dryly. <laughs> murder? That doesn't sound like something I'd say. At this say. point, Chief Ludhorn realizes it is not appropriate for a potential witness to be present at this interrogation <laughs> ask you to leave the at room. At this point. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, man. But the next day, you lead the police to the attic of Grimstone's house. While Ludhorn and two officers light up the cedar closet with with high-intensity flashlights, you pry off a wood panel in the right rear corner. You can't help being amused by the odd look on the faces of the policemen as you hold a red leather box in front of them and open it. Inside is a collection of sparkling jewels, including one as big as a walnut. The famous Khartoum Star. The probate court eventually decides that Sylvia Rustin is the rightful owner of the diamonds. As a reward, you get one of them <gasps> and Jenny another. In a ring. Because mm. we're married now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> through questioning Nagar, sorry, through questioning G, the police <laughs> now have enough information to enable them to find Howard Grimstone and the rest of his gang and bring them to justice. A few weeks later, the court orders that Grimstone's house will be put up for sale. You wonder who the next owners will be and whether they will meet Harlow Thrumby's ghost. The end. Huh. You could say that's another of... I, 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 this one had two best endings, depending on which house you took, I feel like. Mm-hmm. One was much more convoluted. I think we're just going to call this one the smooch ending. Yeah! Smooch ending! Because we got the diamonds! <laughs> I mean, we got our girlfriend, Jenny, a diamond. There's no way that reading between the lines, this doesn't end in a smooch. And we got our mistress, Sylvia, the diamonds. We did. Possible other smooch. <laughs> yep. Double smooch ending. I am amending that to double smooch ending. <laughs> okay. After that ending, I would like to formally apologize to Eddie. Uh, this is obviously <laughs> the pinnacle of art, and I see... We should have trusted your We process. should have trusted the process. I see his lawyer uh, credentials now, and I would hire him if I were to you know, need a lawyer after stealing diamonds and working for a drug-dealing, arms-making, bomb-building, greasy moiterer? Moiterer. Moiterer. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I will say, uh, I was kind of feeling, like, pretty content with this book, but then... I went back to the path where instead of continuing up the stairs after seeing the ghost, we get out of the house as quickly as we can. And there's actually a really long pathway that goes down that potential path. Well, do, I it, do, see it, it. do it, do it, do it. I want to see it. So Harlow Thromby has just laughed at us and we decide to get out of the house. We run down the stairs, practically jumping the last flight. Moments later, you rush out of the house, completely forgetting about the policeman on duty. He sees you coming and he's waiting when you climb over the gate. Jenny has been waiting too. 
She runs up behind him. What were you doing in there? The cop demands. I saw a ghost. There really is a ghost in there. My friend is a ghost hunter, Jenny puts in. Being a ghost hunter gives you no license to trespass on private property, so get in the back seat. I'm going to have to take you to headquarters and book you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Maybe this is the one where we get burned at the stake. Yes. Bad boys, bad boys. I know it's hard to believe you say, but there is a ghost in there. In the car. Now. You'd better not leave till you have a replacement, Jenny says to the policeman. Nothing is going to happen in the ten minutes the house is left unguarded, the cop snaps as you climb in the car. Uh-oh. That sounds like foreshadowing to yeah. me. Mm -hmm. At that moment, a, ran a man runs out of the house screaming, It's after me! Help! What the? In a flash, the cop is out of the car, gun drawn. It's a ghost! A real ghost! The man whimpers as he approaches the car. See what I mean, officer, you say? Uh-oh, the man exclaims. Excuse me, I gotta be going. Just a minute, the cop says. Freeze. Raise your hands. There is so much drama going on. In this <laughs> I love it. Keeping a beat on the man, the cop reaches inside his car and picks up his radio phone. Jorgensen, car sticks at the Grimstone house. I've got a man here who may be that suspect for the Union Bank for the Union Bank holdup. Yeah, better send a couple men here. The cop steps closer to his prisoner. You're Kenny G, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> the only response is a muttered curse, which is drowned out by the wail of a police siren. Looking at you, the cop says, You can get out. I'm not going to charge you with trespassing because you helped me smoke this man out. Yeah. But from now on, you leave this kind of thing to the police, and you'd better steer clear of here when the chief arrives. You and Jenny head down the street trying to decide what to do next. From a distance, you and Jenny watch two more police cars converging on the scene. In a few minutes, they all pull away. You can see G sitting alone in the backseat of one of the cars, isolated by a wire mesh grating. He's yelling something at the officers in front. That won't help his case any, you reflect. I'm surprised they left the place unguarded, Jenny says. <gasps> there we go. Jenny. I imagine at least one cop will be back soon, you say. This may be our only chance to get those diamonds. Let's go, says Jenny. Searching along the perimeter of the house, you find an unlocked kitchen window that you missed last time. It opens with a little prying. You climb inside and give Jenny a hand and pull her in after you. Flashlight in hand, you walk out of the kitchen with Jenny close behind. As you move toward the stairs, you pass by the opulent dining room where you stop to gaze up at the enormous chandelier from which hang dozens of crystalline lights. This chandelier was bad news in one of the paths, wasn't it? It, yes, it had, it had it, shaken and, and dropped things that someone got cut. Yes. I think it's swinging a little, <gasps> Jenny, you say. Uh-oh. It kind of looks that way, she replies, but let's just say we're imagining it. <laughs> okay. I like her logic. <laughs> Mm -hmm. From somewhere above, you hear the ticking of a clock. It grows louder. I'm not imagining that, you say. A ghost clock, Jenny says, and you both laugh. What? <laughs> <laughs> Classic ghost clock. How silly it is. Yes, strange ticking noise that grows louder, even though we are not getting anywhere nearer to the source <gasps> of the ticking noise. It's a source of um, the... It's a pipe bomb! It, this guy's a bomb maker! Wait, oh my gosh. Okay. This is The two of you pass. start up the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> the two of you start up the stairs. Almost at once, the steps begin to vibrate under your feet. You hear a deep quivering sound. You feel like running, but you force yourselves to continue up the stairs. Suddenly, the sound increases in pitch and volume so quickly, your hands fly to your ears to cover them. At the same time, a balloon of ghostly white light circles you, narrowing, closing in. You and Jenny cringe against the stairs. Nothing is touching you, but a tightness in your throat feels like an invisible hand squeezing your windpipe. We've got to get out, Jenny whispers hoarsely. You feel almost paralyzed, then panicked. You race down the stairs, pulling Jenny along by the hand. 
Then, as you start down the hall, a terrible thundering noise rumbles along the floor, a sound that could have been made by same great boulder tumbling down a mountain. You open a nearby door and dart in. Jenny is right behind you. She slams the door shut as the thundering noise rolls by. You feel safe for a moment, but you can't even tell where you are. It's pitch black. I've lost my flashlight. <gasps> Classic. The number one mistake. You gotta have your flashlight. <laughs> Idiots. I have matches, Jenny says. Oh, no. Oh. She lights a match so close under your nose that you rear back from the sulfurous smell. In a brief flickering light, you can see her at the top of the set of stairs leading into a basement. Jenny shakes out the match to keep from burning her fingers. I don't want to go down there. She tries to open the door into the hall, but it's stuck. You grab the doorknob, but your fingers slide off as you push. Your hand is sweating, making the knob slippery. Why won't it open? Jenny cries. I think the wood is swollen up. We'll have to go downstairs. I only have a couple of matches left, Jenny says. Don't use them yet, you caution. In the darkness gripping the handrail, you and Jenny start down the steps. The air becomes cooler and damper as you descend. This is a deep basement, Jenny says. Uh, that's no basement. <laughs> Maybe there's another way out of here, you say, hopefully, just as you reach the wet cement floor. It's so deep that groundwater must seep in here. Time to light a match. Jenny strikes a match, but you see only a little flash of light that jumps out from her hand and burns out before it hits the floor. The head broke off, Jenny explains. Only one match left. Oh, I wish I'd brought a candle or something. Might as well light the last match now. Ooh, man. I'm so scared. This is what we wanted the whole time. <laughs> yeah. This time, the match lights up part of the basement, but not enough for you to see where there might be any doors or passageways. What you do see sends a shudder through your bones. Scurrying around on the floor are large brown rats. Dozens of them. A couple of them are inching closer as if you've attracted their attention. Well, no duh. <laughs> just let a match. We'd better try that door again. Jenny's voice is shaking as her last match flickers out. The two of you start up the stairs, but you stop only short but you stop short after only a few steps. There is a white glow at the top of the stairs. It expands, lengthening to form a human shape. You are staring once again at Harlow Thromby's ghost. Oh no! Jenny's voice sounds thin and pinched. The ghost replies with eerie, echoing peals of laughter. You stand frozen, more hypnotized than frightened. The ghost neither moves nor talks, but stands motionless, staring at you as if deciding your fate. What? What can we do? Jenny squeezes your arms so tightly you almost cry out. Do we continue up the steps towards the ghost? Or do we go back the steps and grope our way through the basement, looking for steps leading outside the house? Professor Zubat comes to me in time of need. Oh, go towards the ghost. Don't run away from the ghost. Don't run away. I, I kind of just want to see really quick, though, if we try and get away from the ghost, if that leads to a grisly death. Yes. Okay. Like, we yes. Know, okay. We, we know that the smart thing is to move towards the ghost, but I, my grim sense of curiosity. <laughs> Let's do see it. it. Do it, do okay. it. Okay. Awful as the rats seem, you're more willing to take your chances with them than to confront the ghost. Come on, you say to Jenny. The two of you strike out through the darkness, hoping the rats will keep clear of you. One of them runs across the floor. You leap ahead a few feet and feel yourself step on a squishy, squirming thing. <laughs> the rat squeals. Jenny yelps in pain. What happened, you asked? I crashed into a wall. Sorry, but let's follow the wall. Maybe we'll come to a door. As you work your way along the wall, another rat brushes your leg. You kick out. One of them bit me, Jenny shrieks. Come on, we've got to keep moving. You hurry along the wall, feeling for a door. The rats go bolder. You feel another. Another. You jiggle and dance, trying to shove them away. Ah, a rat has bitten you in the calf right through your jeans. Your whole body shakes. I think this is a door, Jenny yells. Quick, where's the handle? Here. Jenny pulls and shakes something. Door flies open, letting in a patch of daylight. There's a flight of stone steps ahead. You and Jenny climb the steps. They lead to overhead doors. 
Together, you raise your hands up against the doors and push. In a moment, they swing open. You continue up and out into the rear yard. You're free! I've had enough of ghost hunting, Jenny says, as you run as you run around the house towards the gate. And rat dodging, you add. We'll have to go to the hospital and get these bites treated. Well, says Jenny after you've climbed over the gate and are heading down the street, maybe we should give up ghost hunting and stick to murder cases. Much more relaxing, you say. The end. Ah, uh, I mean, no grisly death, but not a but terrible also, ending. Do rats do that? These aren't normal rats. These are bad, nasty rats. They're aggressive. These are D&D rats. They're D&D rats. It's a swarm. Yes. Yeah. They share a pool of HP. Yeah. I say, yeah, I say we go towards the... <laughs> we go towards the ghost because... It's like in, it's like in a office space when we killed all the rats. <laughs> These are the big rats. I bet they've got plenty of rules. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. We'll we'll call this ending Xenomopius. Yeah. <laughs> In memoriam, Xenomopius. <laughs> okay. So now, well, well, now that we ran away from the ghost and we didn't die, even though Professor Zubat told us that we were going to die if we ran away from the ghost. I'm intrigued. I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe Professor Zubat is stupid. He's not a Maybe doctor. Professor Zubat was <gasps> the the ghost the whole time. <laughs> Okay, we're going to continue up the stairs towards the ghost. I don't think ghosts hurt anyone, you whisper to Jenny. They just scare people. Besides, how can we hunt a ghost if we're always running? You know what? That's good that logic. That is very me. valid. Snaps for us. Jenny grips your belt and the... Ooh. Whoa, hey, now. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the two of you start up the stairs step by step. <laughs> you close your eyes a moment, hoping the ghost will go away, but it doesn't. It seems to become more and more solid. You can see the lines etched in its face. Mm. Its hollow, dark eyes seem to be tunnels to nowhere. You can read the expression on its face. You feel as if it's deciding what to do to you. Jenny's still clutching your belt. You take another step, but you're not really thinking. The laughter of the ghost rings in your ears. Your eyes are focused on your feet, which feel increasingly heavier, as if they're about to become rooted. When you look up, the ghost is only two steps above you. It seems huge. Jenny! You whisper hoarsely, it's not solid, we can make it. Jenny. Pulling Jenny by the hand, <laughs> you step up to the ghost and through it. Yes. You crash into the door. You push it again with all your strength you never knew you had. The door flies open. You and Jenny run into the hallway and toward the front of the house. No. Jenny throws open the front door. No. A fresh breeze blows in. Looking back, you see only the dark, empty hallway. You follow Jenny outside and slam the door behind you. What happened to the ghost? Jenny asks. She's still shaking and so are you. It just vanished, you reply. Terrible it was, it couldn't stand up to us. <laughs> I guess we're pretty good ghost hunters, Jenny says. Good enough so that I think we won't have to hunt them anymore. <laughs> Logic. And somehow, says Jenny, I don't think the ghost will be hunting us. The end. <laughs> <sighs> I don't think it's possible. I don't think, the ghost I don't think it's possible. I don't think it's possible to get the diamonds for ourselves. Yeah. I no, our pal Ed comes from the law. And he is a morally upright citizen, not like us degenerates. Mm -hmm. So as much as we would love to have all of the diamonds for ourselves, I think we're just going to have to resign ourselves to a pleasant life with Jenny, regardless of what happens. With one diamond. It's fine. Yeah. Um, but there is one more that I'm curious of. When we do go to the house with Grimstone, we have the option to either sit and wait for the eight o'clock sound to chime. Or we also have the option to explore the house instead of going straight to the attic. Yeah, let's go back to that path. 
but I am going to mark that one as a no smooch ending. No smooch. Because, <laughs> I mean, we didn't get our girl a diamond. How are we going to get a smooch that way? Yeah, well, and then also that end line was way too cheesy for me to continue this relationship. <laughs> <laughs> wow, one line and yeah. you break up with her. Listen, yeah, it's okay. harsh world out there. So we're going to change that from no smooch ending to breakup. <laughs> In essence, the same thing. So we decide to work for Howard Grimstone. So do we decide to wait in the library or continue to explore the house? Because we know we have a couple options if we explore the house or we could wait in the library and see what's down that pathway. I don't know. You make this choice. Let's start with waiting in the library until eight o'clock and the sound starts. All right. You wait in the library for what seems like a long time. Finally, you step out into the hall intent on going to the dining room and seeing what Grimstone is doing. Suddenly, you hear a low-pitched sound like a chord played on an organ. It swells in volume. The lights flicker and grow dim. At the end of the fuzzy hallway, white light is glowing. Screwing up your courage, you step closer. The light becomes so intense you have to shield your eyes. You step back. At that instant, the light goes out. It's pitch black. Strong hand sees your neck from behind. Friggin' Kenny G again. Oh, man. Kenny! You scream and try to wriggle free. The hands thrust out violently violently and you reel striking your head against the wall as you go down oh wow you sit there dazed trying to remember who you are trying to get your wits about you the lights come on the door opens grimstone is there did you see it he cries it was in the dining room it was out there you say it was a it was even worse in the dining room grimstone interrupts do you think you can track it down you can go anywhere you want it might have gone down the stairs you say i'll check up there as you walk cautiously up the stairs, you have an ominous feeling that what happened was not caused by a ghost. There was a fake note in Grimstone's voice, as if he'd rehearsed his lines to you. And how did he know, quote, it was even worse in the dining room, unquote? As you reach a landing halfway up the stairs, you hear a deep, hollow voice. It seems to come from all around you. Are you ready to die? Are you? Are you? Oh. The voice demands. And Grimstone's laying it on a little heavy. Yeah, this is, this is thick. This isn't what a ghost is like. This is molasses yeah. thick. Yeah, ghosts don't hurt people. No, you shout. Who are you? Where are you? Ghosts are nowhere and everywhere, the voice replies. Now find the diamonds and you shall be spared. Oh my gosh, oh, come Grimstone. come on. What diamonds, you say? <laughs> Some instinct warns you not to admit how much you know. Find the diamonds or prepare to die, the voice repeats in an icy tone. At this point, you decide that whatever this that whether this voice is a ghost or not, you'd better do what it says. No! You start up the steps to the attic. You sense that the eyes are watching you. When you reach the top, you pause for a moment. The voice is still nearby and all around you. Keep going! Find the diamonds! Desperately, you try to think what to do as you continue through the dimly lighted attic. You pass near a small window that's partly open. It looks like it's about a seven-foot drop to a slanting roof. You could work your way down the roof and then jump. The dense shrubbery near the house would cushion your fall. Do we try to escape out the window? Do we look through the attic until we find the cedar closet? Or do we run back downstairs? Pretty sure I know what happens if we look through the attic. And I'm pretty mm -hmm. sure I know what happens if we jump out the window. We die. By dog. Yeah. <gasps> Let's try it. Okay. <laughs> Get eaten by some dogs? Yeah. But I feel like that would also happen if we try to run downstairs. Probably. All right. You make a break for it, throw open the window, and swing yourself through feet first. Someone lunges after you as you jump onto the slanting roof. When you hit, your momentum carries you along. You can't stop. At the edge of the roof, you have to jump. Screaming, you leap toward a cedar tree growing close to the house. It helps break your fall, but you are thrown sideways. Your head bangs against a rock as you hit ground, Ooh. and you're out cold. Oh. You wake up in a hospital bed. What? Oh. 
Your aching head is bandaged and your right leg is in a cast. Your scream saved your life. A patrolman was at your side even before Grimstone got out of the house to look for you. That's fantastic. The police had been suspicious of Grimstone and were keeping an eye on the house. The doctor says you'll be in the hospital for a week and on crutches for two months after that. Ooh. You won't be hunting any ghosts for a while. The end. Let's let's run out. Let's run out. Let's run out. I feel like that's a more gruesome death. For sure. This ending yeah. is a boo-boo. Yeah. Boo-boo no ghost. <laughs> boo-boo no ghost. <laughs> that sounds like a, I'm sorry. That sounds like a... An anime. <laughs> it sounds so much like an anime. <laughs> All right, we're going to run back downstairs. It's a new episode of Boo Boo No Ghost. Toto Scarefest. You dash out of the attic, down the stairs. You whip around a corner and trip over a small black box. Sparks jump out. You see another of Grimstone's thugs. He yells at you, cursing. You're on your feet and running down the next flight of stairs. You leap the last five steps and race down the hallway. At that moment, an explosion sends an explosion. He's a bomb maker. This is the bombs finally coming into play. <laughs> yes. At that moment, an explosion sends a blast and a series of shockwaves through the house. Shaken and deafened from the noise, you race for the front door, wondering what happened. Grimstone's man must have been making a bomb, and somehow you triggered it when you tripped over it. <laughs> as you reach the door, you hear a rapid series of explosions coming from the rear of the house, as if it's an ammunition dump going off. Wow! <laughs> this is amazing! The blasts virtually blow you out the front door, but you're not hurt, and in a few moments, you're over the gate! Oh, wow. You cross the street and lean up against a stone wall, grateful to be alive and free. By now, flames are shooting through a blown-out section of the roof. You hear fire engines a few blocks away. One of Grimstone's men hobbles out of the house, his shirt ripped open, his face blackened with soot. Oh. By the time he reaches the gate, two police cars have arrived. The first two fire engines pull up to the front gate but with a huge cache of explosions fueling the flames, it's obvious the house will be a total loss, and the diamonds, no doubt, as well. What? The end. The diamonds, diamonds don't burn up in... I mean, they would probably be hard to find. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, that was the most exciting, but also wild. the most disappointing. Yeah. yeah, I mean... That one is boom, boom, no ghost. <laughs> boom, boom, no yeah. ghost. <laughs> <laughs> boom, boom, no ghost by Michael Bay. <laughs> I think that's basically every, I mean. I feel like if we did the exploring the house, because I think that was like the last one we never did, I feel like that would just result in. Similar situations. Yeah. I mean, I will say the dogs never came back to bite us. I feel that, I feel like that's where this would lead. <laughs> that's definitely one of them for sure. Yeah. Oh man, but we, we've had some exciting times. Some great I ones. mean, I think I will be satisfied with our double smooch ending. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> I'm mostly satisfied that we got to see a ghost. And then, like, once we found the first one, there were ghosts everywhere. We were just stupid yeah. in the first episode. Yeah, the first one, I think we were just mm -hmm. too. Too eager? Too smart. <laughs> <laughs> like, the very first thing we did was, like, the most mundane, boring, safe thing to happen. We helped some boy who'd run away get to Alaska. Do you think you know his half-brother? Probably. Yeah, Alaska's nice. not that big. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I think this there's there's a moral in this story because the first episode we were we were too blinded by trying to get Jenny to fall in love with us, but as soon as we stopped trying to force Jenny to like us and we were just ourselves, what happened? We got a ring on her finger. There hey, just is. like you, Christian. <laughs> so, I mean, that's that's the moral of the story. Hunt a ghost, get married. <laughs> Good moral. Listen, yep, that's the life that's I'm the, gonna live. 
That's the uh, yep. That's the pilot episode for Boo Boo No Ghost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. Well, if anybody out there listening has any connections at Crunchyroll, we will license this concept to you. I know we saw a ghost. Should we read the ending I wrote anyway? Oh yeah. Let me let me go ahead and pull up Christian's ending. So this was in the event that we never ended up finding the ghost. So we're, we're going to go back to our previous decision point and just act as if we were going to this one. Uh, if you look through the attic until you find the cedar closet, turn to page 100. Da, 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 da. Uh, you see a ghost. Professor Zubat lied. It kills you. The end. This is the wow. ending. Look, if you're going to see a ghost, you need at least to have a little excitement. Listen, I think you should mm-hmm. be an author. Well, what can I say? I have a gift. We have a gift. <laughs> oh, man. Well, everybody, thanks for listening to Improv Tabletop. And we'll be back next month with another awesome bonus episode. Ooh. If you want more of these, go and subscribe. Maybe even give us a review. We would be as happy as Jenny is that she just got a massive diamond <laughs> out of the situation. If you would go ahead and give us a review on the podcatcher of your choice. We're also all over social media at Improv Tabletop, so if you'd like to connect with us there, you know, maybe you want to talk to Christian about his brilliant writing chops and just how he came up with that fantastic twist of an ending. Took hours. Yeah, don't be afraid to reach out. Let's see, let's do a round of plugs. As always, we've got our fake campaigns, which are super fun. We'd love to do more of those, so if you want to see us bring our fake campaigns back, consider joining our Patreon because the more patrons we have, the more episodes we can release, the more episodes we can pay Caleb to edit. Once again, thank you, Caleb, in advance for editing this episode. <laughs> thank you, Caleb. We've also got our ongoing campaigns, Imptab Avatar 10,000 Things and Imptab Avatar Blades in the Dao Fei, which by the time this episode is released, we're, we're recording it way far in advance. Who knows? Christian's character might be dead by now. <laughs> I don't know. It's a possibility. Some stranger things could be. <laughs> yeah, and we know for sure that Tonin Yoru is seeing ghosts. Oh, so yep. don't have to worry about that. <laughs> Let's see. We've also got iCast Fireball, our sister podcast, a D&D 5 actual play going through the campaign Tyranny of Dragons. Grand old times over there. Go give them a listen. And as always, we've got our affiliation with Fanroll Dice, where if you use coupon code VroomVroomFifa, you can get 10% off. And uh, yeah, that's it for the plugs this time around. But thank you for joining us for another wonderful bonus episode of Improv Tabletop. <laughs> I'm Ned Wilcock, your host and person who reads a lot of words and gets a very sore jaw. <laughs> and I've been joined by... McKenna Steele, uh, married to a ghost. <sighs> Christian Randall, author extraordinaire. Wow. Also a ghost. And a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> Much love and stuff, everybody. We'll catch you next time on Improv Tabletop. Thank you.